Hi, welcome to Blueprint for Wealth. I'm Wayne Zell, your host of this fast-paced half hour or so video cast designed to help you realize your personal dreams of wealth and freedom featuring special guests and special topics. Blueprint for Wealth is brought to you by Zell Law and a business, estate, tax, and fiduciary law firm located in Reston, Virginia and Savannah, Georgia, serving clients all across the U.S. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at zellaw.com. Today, we're going to be talking with Bobby Castro, who is one of the most positive people you will ever meet. And he's co-founder of Bankers Healthcare Group and an extraordinary real estate entrepreneur. But before we get to Bobby, our special topic today is crowdfunding. And crowdfunding is something I know you want to learn more about because you want to fuel your business. So here we go. So here's an overview of what we're going to talk about today, our key takeaways. We're going to talk about what crowdfunding is, the types of crowdfunding that are available, what the securities law issues are, because they're really important and you need to know this if you're going to engage in crowdfunding, and then talk about some of the securities that are offered in crowdfunding, including the SAFE, which is a form of crowdfunding security. So what is it? It's raising money from the general public in a way that we couldn't do really before 2012. It's an alternative method for entrepreneurs, creative thinkers, and nonprofits to get funding. You can pool together small amounts of money from a group of people that share your passion or your vision and that you interact with online using a social media through a, an approved intermediary platform. Anyone can use it without having to go to a bank or an angel investor or a venture capitalist or a private equity fund. And the likelihood of getting funded through crowdfunding is actually higher than those other sources. The types of crowdfunding really break down into four categories, rewards, debt, equity, and donations. Rewards is where the investor gets something or some kind of perk, some kind of award for pledging money to help you start up. It might be a t-shirt, might be a coffee cup. It might be the ability to get the first version of a product or a service that is being released. Top platforms include Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and Rocket Hub. But usually the dollars involved are very small. The debt and equity platforms are much more robust and usually more money is being raised in those platforms. In debt, we've got peer-to-peer, P2P financing, or peer-to-business lending. The investor gives money in the form of a loan, gets a promise to be repaid plus interest, and the common platforms include Prosper, Lending Club, Funding Circle, and P2B Investor. On the equity side, the investor might get an ownership stake in the business. It might be common stock. It might be preferred stock. You might even have a mixture of debt and equity in the form of convertible securities that convert from a debt security into equity. The common platforms include Circle Up, Fundable, and Micro Ventures. And last, charities often use crowdfunding to raise money. The investor gives money for a cause they want to support. 
It may or may not be tax deductible. If it is, there are certain requirements that have to be met. The most common platform that I know about is GoFundMe. So who can invest? One type of investment is more informal than the other. If you are an accredited investor, you can pretty much invest not only in crowdfunding, but in other types of private placement investments, which we're not going to cover today. An accredited investor is really somebody who has at least $200,000 of income individually or $300,000 on a joint return filed with a spouse, or has a net worth of at least a million dollars, excluding your principal residence. Everybody else is a non-accredited investor. Before the Jobs Act of 2012, not 2021, non-accredited investors were not able to legally invest in crowdfunding. In the JOBS Act that was passed during the Obama administration, they made it so much easier. And there have been regulations released recently in 2020 and 2021 to allow for uh, crowdfunding to e be even greater and easier than ever before. There is a regulation that applies to crowdfunding that was issued by the Securities and Exchange Commission to interpret the JOBS Act of 2012. It's known as Reg Crowdfunding or Regulation Crowdfunding or Reg CF, in, uh, abbreviated. It provides an exemption, an exemption from having to register the securities with the Securities and Exchange Commission on a federal level. It allows for small individual investments and it allows for contributions from a large number of small investors. The maximum offering that can be made under the federal law in a crowdfunding offering during a 12-month period is $5 million. Up until last year, it was only $1,070,000. The regulations increased the threshold, and that is a huge positive change for people who want to use crowdfunding. Reg CF continued, it has investment limitations on what an investor can invest and how much they can invest over this time period. Basically, for a non-accredited investor, if the investor's annual income, so their compensation income, their dividend income, or their net worth is less than $107,000, then the investment limit is the greater of $2,200 or 5% of the individual's income or net worth, whichever is greater. Again, there's a limitation on the amount that an investor can invest in one crowdfunding deal. If the non-accredited investor's annual income or net worth are greater than $107,000 or at least equal to $107,000, then the investor's limit is 10% of the greater of the income or the net worth. But again, cannot exceed $107,000. So this 5% limit is sort of where you start out. It can increase if your income is greater or your net worth is greater than $107,000, but you're limited to 10% of the greater of your income or your net worth capped at $107,000. There's no limit on the number of investors or the minimum amount that can be invested in one of these deals. The regulations that were issued by the SEC as recently revised were 
very favorable, are very favorable in terms of how you go about advertising and raising money. You can only advertise by offering a notice that directs investors to one of these intermediary, intermediary platforms like Fundable or another registered broker-dealer who has been approved by the Securities Exchange Commission as an approved funding portal. And it cannot include any more information in the notice than what the SEC rules allow. You have to file Form C with the Securities and Exchange Commission, and in some states you may ha also have to file the Form C. Oral communications with prospective investors are permitted, which wasn't allowed before, once you file the Form C. And it, when you look at the Form C online, you can go to sec.gov and see it. It's really not that hard to complete. So it, this is a great opportunity to do roadshows once you've submitted the Form C to go out and seek investment from small amounts from investors who are non-accredited, or there is no limitation on the amount an accredited investor can invest in a crowdfunding deal, except that the crowdfunding is capped at $5 million total, remember that, in a 12-month period. The terms of the offering and the Form C have this information that you have to provide the amount of securities offer, offered, the nature of the security. Is it common stock, preferred stock, convertible debt, debt? Is it a safe security, which we'll talk about in a second? how much the security costs per unit, per share. When's the closing date? When is the 12-month period? When does it expire? And it is a very definitive period that must be limited to 12 months. How are you going to use the proceeds? And what is your progress in meeting your funding target? You're allowed to test the waters now. The amendments that were made to Reg CF recently allow you, if you're raising money, to test the waters or solicit interest in a potential offering from the general public orally or in writing prior to filing a Form C. Now, this is different from advertising. Okay, Testing the waters have to have certain legends attached to the disclosure that's going out. You have to uh, include the Form C, ultimately, when you uh, go out and test the waters. And once you file the Form C, any offering communications uh, have to comply with the regulation going forward, particularly the advertising registration uh, rules. Blue sky. If you want to sell securities in your state, the state may limit your ability to do crowdfunding if you don't qualify under Reg CF. I'm repeating this. So Reg CF is designed to preempt all of the states in terms of crowdfunding so that if you comply with Reg CF, file the Form C, give all the information that is required under the regulation, comply with the advertising rules, and so on, then you can go ahead and sell interstate your securities over the internet using these approved platforms. Virginia, for example, has its own intrastate crowdfunding exemption, which means that the entity generally either has to be performed under Virginia law or do most of its business in Virginia, and it can only sell to Virginia investors. And the limitation is lower, and the amount that can be invested is much lower, as you can see from this slide. The bottom line is, 
Reg CF preempts state law registration requirements and exemption requirements. And so while Virginia has this intrastate rule, if you comply with Reg CF, you don't have to comply with the Virginia rule because it's preempted. Same thing with Maryland's rule. We are in this local area. I thought it would be useful to put up the Maryland intrastate crowdfunding exemption. And the intrastate crowdfunding exemption specifically says that you can convert an intrastate offering into an interstate offering as long as you modify your materials and comply with Reg CF. So again, the rules for intrastate crowdfunding exist in 30 states and the District of Columbia. But if you don't comply with the state regulation, you can still comply with the federal regulation and sell interstate. So that's pretty cool. A word about SAFES. SAFE is an agreement between you as an investor and the company in which you want to invest. And the company promises to give you some type of future equity stake if certain events occur. Not all SAFEs are the same, first of all. Number one. Number two, there are important terms that you need to be aware of. And number three, safes are not simple or safe all the time. What's important to remember? You're not getting an equity stake when you put money into a safe with a company. It's not common stock. It's not preferred stock. It's not any form of debt unless the safe says that it will be repaid under certain circumstances. And so you can't get your equity stake that you thought you were going to get unless the triggering events have occurred. The terms of the safe have been met. Triggering events might be when our company is acquired by another company or merged into another company, which may be far down the road. Or it might be an IPO. Or it might be uh, merging with a, a SPAC, a special purpose entity that is already publicly traded. Or it might require that you achieve a certain level of equity investment in the company and that they offer an additional round of financing where it allows you to convert the safe into that equity financing. There are a lot of things to consider about safes. And they're not necessarily safe. Again, it may trigger a conversion into common stock if the triggering event occurs. But let's say the company goes out and offers preferred stock and the safe is geared towards raising money in the form of common stock. Because they raised money to sell preferred stock and not common stock, your safe still stays in this form of an agreement that might be converted or might not be converted in the future. And that means you may lose your investment if they never issue the common stock after the safe has been uh, given to you. Convertible notes are a common alternative to safes, meaning that you give money to the company, the company promises to pay you back some level of principal plus interest, but if they raise a certain level of financing or they go public, the convertible debt might automatically convert into common stock at some form of exchange ratio. The conversion terms are really important. You have to look to see whether or not there's a repurchase provision so that it allows the company to repurchase your right to convert into equity instead of being converted into equity so that you can get your money back. You've got to know what happens to your money if the company dissolves or liquidates. Are you just a general creditor lining up behind everybody else 
to get your money back? Are you even a creditor? And do you have any voting rights associated with your safe? That is a word on safes. And that is an important consideration when you're trying to do crowdfunding. So you can do a safe. You can invest in a company through a safe. But be careful when you're issuing securities that are in the form of a safe. So we've been talking about crowdfunding. And I appreciate the opportunity to tell you about it. But now you're going to get the opportunity to hear from one of the most extraordinary entrepreneurs in the United States, a man who's taken a company with his brother and another partner from zero to over a billion dollars. And they did it through their sheer will and tenacity and positive mental attitude, which Bobby Castro is going to be our next guest telling you about the secrets of his success, not only in building BHG, but also in being a real estate entrepreneur. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Blueprint for Wealth. I'm Wayne Zell, and with me today is my very, very, very special guest, Bobby Castro. Welcome, Bobby. Welcome to the video cast. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, dude. Today, we're going to be talking about a few things, but I want to give you some background on Bobby because he really is the exemplification of an entrepreneur who's transferred, transformed from entrepreneur to leader. With only a ninth grade education, he founded one of the biggest financial lenders in the country, Bankers Healthcare Group, back in 2001 with, a, with his brother and an investment of 25 grand. And today... He's reached a personal net worth of over $400 million. So he knows what he's doing. And he knows that above all, the key to scaling any business is leadership. He's a mentor to me and other entrepreneurs around the country. And he has been the leader of that company for at least 18 years. He instilled in the team something called PMA, which we're going to talk about, a positive mental attitude, and created a workplace environment that inspires top-level performance and unheard-of revenue returns. So today we're going to talk about three things. We're going to talk about PMA because I am fascinated by it, and I adopt that as part of my, my leadership and my strategy. Number two, I want to know Bobby's secrets to how he and his brother and his partner built BHG. And then lastly, I want to hear about what he's doing today, real estate. He is one of the largest real estate entrepreneurs in Southern Florida, and he's expanded his reach all around the country. So first, Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks for being my mentor, because I really do look at you as a mentor in terms of how to treat people and how to be a positive influence. Where did you come up with PMA? Well, first, thank you. That means a lot, especially coming from you. You know, PMA, PMA all day, every day, believe it or not, it's trademarked. I trademarked it, not for any business or anything to that nature. It's so intimate to me. And PMA stands for positive mental attitude. And it sounds, okay, it's a statement. Yeah, it's a slogan. It's uh, whatever you want to call it. But I truly... 110% believe that in my spirit, my soul, my mind, my heart. And I look at everything, PMA, as a solution. And 
you know, positive mental attitude, man, we, there's so many obstacles. And it's so, it's so good for you to say this, Bobby. I, I hear you talk a lot about it. But how are you always constantly about it? And the reason that I'm so addicted to it, because I'm receiving so many incredible bright outcomes, because I look at everything as a solution. And it's amazing. I, I, I you know, my background, I, my, my, my mom, she's 81 years old today. She was a waitress uh, before it was Denny's. It was called Sambo's. Yeah, and then sure. she walked home from the graveyard shift, a couple hours or three hour rest, and then put an apron on and went to Pasquale's Italian restaurant for lunch on Red Road in Hialeah. Wow. And then uh, a night gig at Roni Pub Steakhouse on 163rd Street. So I saw my mom constantly uh, good people skills, dealing with all these personalities with the hopes of getting compensated in 18% gratuity. But then I seen the other side of a big family I have. My father has 14 children. He passed at 94 years old. His weakness, in my opinion, was a lot of ladies in life. That's where his energy was spent and invested in. And there was a lot of financial struggles. You know, we, we grew up in Section 8. We grew up struggling like a lot of people. We all have those stories. And if it's not one of us, you know somebody in your family that has gone through it or going through it. Right. And there was a lot of personalities, and I call it a lot of passion in my life, a lot of chaos, and it was a lot of negativity, um, a, a lot of bipolar, a lot of uh, all these other names we call them, but it was really negative. And I'll never forget the day I left school at the ninth grade, and back then, Wayne, it was junior high. Today, it's high school. I was 14 sure. years old. I, yeah, a little over 14 years old. Um, I was never, I don't think, a difficult kid. But I had always a lot of curiosity, a lot of questions, and I would always raise my hand in, in class. And a lot of teachers were just frustrated by it, but I didn't catch on to the question. I have to, even today, I have to always ask the question, and you know this personally, yes, several do. different times, different angles, in but order for me that to, about you. to understand it. You're always asking questions, and they're yes. good questions. And, and it's, it's frustrating when someone's yeah. like, man, I just told you 50 times. And I think that's what happened with the teachers. And I just wanted to leave school because my my I, I felt like I wasn't worthy. I guess looking so back, so I, I told mean, my at, mom. At the age of fourteen, wanted, what did you do? So I went home. I told my mom I wanted, and dude, she gave me no heartburn. She says, "Bobby, you could be anything you want to be," uh, and she just said yes to it without saying yes. Even the school had an issue with it, and but it was still even today, my wow moment in life. She got me a job. And you have to be 16 years old back then to qualify for part-time. She got me a job at Pasquale Steakhouse as a takeout runner. And I'll never forget, my mother took me to Payless Kmart to get my outfit. And when I went to work, I was so excited. It was so like, wow to me. Then I went home and I saw the chaos. I couldn't wait to run back to work. I would wash cars. I would do everything not to, it was just chaotic for me. Yep. Slowly, I found this way of being positive because I found if I just work and work and work, I was feeling good about myself. I did make mistakes and I'm fast forward in many mistakes. I try to rush becoming rich overnight. I was addicted to classified ads. And if, there was no internet back then. If you make right. $10,000 a month, 100, Bobby's, I had packages coming to my house. My mom used to see this addiction. And, um, you know, a lot of lessons in life. But PMA, man, I, I practice it today. The, the business that me and my awesome wife of 31 years, uh, we exited for a billion dollars on our terms. 
And uh, we started that with no money. It was actually, we started it from $1,700 at my mother-in-law. She's no longer with us. Back in the day, you know, in the bra, they carried the beeper, the cash, the keys, and her entire life savings. Sophie's family was $1,700. And Dixie handed it right to me, dude. Wow. And that same business, we exited for a billion dollars because somebody believed in me. Uh, not to say others didn't, but when you, she just gave me everything sh she had. And I, from a scale to one to 10, I was a 10 being on a not so good scale. Um, if you looked at me back then, I'm a, I'm a much better version today. I'm a better version today than yesterday. I constantly want to create better Bobby each and every day. And um, I'm so positive, man. I, I treat everybody as if they're important. And I notice when I go to even restaurants today and I see how people treat the hostess, the waitress, the valet parker, you can see that they're, they're missing it. They're missing, the, they're missing life so much. And I'm to the extreme that if I stay at a hotel, my wife, it took a while for my wife to get this. I would clean the room thinking about my mom. I would leave that room spotless and all the towels nice on the side. I just feel like everyone should be treated very important. Guess what? Yeah. I, I get rewarded every day. You never get a no from your customers, opportunities, relationships. People want to do business with you. And I kept seeing these outcomes and I became more obsessed about it. And then sooner or later, you become about it. So, I mean, it's amazing how you, I can feel it through our, our recording, even though you're down in Florida, most likely, and I'm up here in Virginia. I can feel the energy coming from you. And that's the thing that I've always uh, appreciated about you. And, you know, you and your brother, who's also amazing, yep. you guys got together and you put together this incredible organization. How did you grow this thing with, you know, the, the small investment that you had to, you know, being an over billion dollar company? How did you yeah. do that? What, what are no, the secrets I, that you could tell other entrepreneurs uh, in addition to having a PMA, obviously treating yeah. every employee, every person with yeah. respect and gratitude. What did you do to grow this? It's business? amazing. I do it today. And, and when I consult businesses, uh, it takes them some time to realize this simple thing. I look and back then look and I continue to look at everything so darn simple, nothing complicated. I look at everything as a consumer whether I'm selling something to a business owner or a consumer, a consumer is involved, meaning us, uh, us humans. I, we know how we behave. We know what we like. We know how what we can understand. We started lending money to doctors back then. And when I started the business, I gave 50% of the business to my brother, Eric. We're only 18 months apart. We're, we're inseparable. You know, Eric, and I love him so much. And I knew right away my weaknesses. It, it comes in operations. I'm not the best in operations. I'm still not the best in operations. But my brother is simply superior in it. I said, Eric, yeah. I have this business. I'm going to give you 50%. And he, he, he just came aboard. We started doing equipment leasing for doctors, forklifts, industrial restaurants. So if you needed some equipment back mm -hmm. in the day, you would normally lease it, and there was a broker involved, matches the bank, right? and the vendor who's selling you the equipment, and you get a commission from the bank. Became very good at it, because when I was waiting on tables, how this all started, I was at the Rusty Pelican, waiting on tables on Key Biscayne, 
And then I had a day job, dude, selling memberships for the Better Business Bureau. <laughs> and again, that Bobby Castro was getting all these classified ads. And, and I made a lot of mistakes before that. And I had to go back to waiting on tables. I had to become very humble. I had to stop rushing the process. Right. And I received this package, this business opportunity package in the equipment leasing industry. But at the same time, during my day job at the Better Business Bureau, I was calling on a company to sell them a Better Business Bureau membership. And mm -hmm. guess what? It was the same company who, who I received a package from. So then, man, I was all revved up. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get in those doors because I want to know about equipment leasing. It sounds like so, so fascinating. So I went in there, got the appointment. Uh, older man in his late seventies saying, "Listen, I don't believe in this membership. I don't like this membership. I don't bring it. It brings no value." This was back in the day when it wasn't well respected. And he goes, "However, I'll buy this Donkey Kong membership under one condition." You come work for me. I said, absolutely. So he One got your passion another. right away. He yep. And then right I became good at it because I see my mother with the people skills and myself being a waiter where you got to deal with all these personalities and how we grew this company. And today this company will do uh, uh, just under $300 million of net income. When I exited, we were doing $150 million in net income. Um, it has 1,200 employees today. When I exited two and a half years ago, we had 600 employees. The company today valuations north of $5 billion. And I started talking to these customers, Wayne, and I started realizing they're really simple. The more I was complicating the sale or the process, the more questions came up and never a decision was made. And I started really simplifying it because I look at life and you know me well in these meetings. Mm -hmm. I just look at everything so darn simple. And then I started realizing, dude, everyone else looks at it simple because you can explain something very simple on a simple format. And my competitors were doing all this fancy dancy presentations, this and that. And I was just winning the business over and over and the closing ratio just went up. Then you come to a point where you have to start scaling started surrounding myself with extremely qualified people that I was not qualified for. I became very humble years ago when I said, my skill set is this, and I'm very good at this. I'm horrible at this. Uh -huh. So let me go ahead and surround myself with the best I can find in South Florida, which was tough back in the day, because everybody in technology and any, it was always in California and New York. Right. And we started growing this and today that PMA, that culture, we instilled this PMA into our sales organization in our operations today with five, maybe 10 attorneys, maybe out of 1200 employees, you're dealing with maybe 800 employees that are under administration operations. And to get these folks to buy into this culture is not hard. As long as the leader truly believes it and practices it off the field, Everyone can pretend on the field, but you can't pretend when you're that energy. I can't explain it. Everyone thinks that, man, this guy is nonstop about this PMA. He's so cool. He's always so positive. Does he do um, Adderall? Does he do cocaine? I don't do no drugs, man. I do the life of drug. And, and uh, because I just keep getting rewarded and it's not about the money. The 400 million doesn't even feel like 400 million. I just keep love creating and you build a culture that is unbreakable and that's where the valuation comes in because someone wants to buy 
an enterprise is not about Bobby Castro. Because right. if it's only about Bobby Castro, it's worth zero. Right. And I knew that going in from my previous mistakes by seeing people overcomplicating it, more so not humble enough to say, you know what? I'm not a CEO. I, I was never the CEO. I'm not a president. I'm not one about titles, but I'm one that understands culture and understands how people behave, what yes. the customer truly wants. And, you know, it's a long-winded answer, but, you know, we sold it because we created a culture that ran to work because they wanted it to work. They would how's, have done it for free. How's it doing without you there? Phenomenal. How, how, phenomenal. And is, is it because you trained the people that are now running? Leaders the, build leaders, period. Right. If you're a leader and you're really just not shoulder to shoulder and you're always in front of everybody, you're not going to build a culture. You, you, you may get away with it here and there, but if you're looking to build valuation and financial freedom, which is called wealth, that's what you're going to have to do is build a culture. Now, if you want to get rich, yeah, you can wing it all day long, but you're going to have to go to work on Monday. Yeah, I got it. So here's my next, uh, my next focus for you is uh, you, got, you, you had been dabbling in real estate for a long time, but now you're just like immersed. Again, PMA driving you into acquiring properties, managing them, negotiating great deals. How did you get into the real estate side of things and why does that interest you so much? And lastly, the, the, the third part of the question is, what are you doing that's different from everybody else that makes you so successful in this? Because you are very successful. You're growing this real estate empire. I've never seen anything quite like it before. Thank you. Well, growing up, we were tenants. And every time my mother would pay the rent, the landlord seemed like he was right back 24 hours later. He was. And when you ask the landlord, I mean, I, dude, I just paid you. No, no, no. You paid me because you owed me two months. You're still behind a month. So I always wanted to be that landlord because it seemed like it was so lucrative. And I grew up in a community called Hialeah and there was a lot of garden apartments. And I always wanted to be in that position. And I've always just wanted to do that. And I have something called stack and rack. It's also trademarked. Stack means you save for the purpose of racking them, the savings, into investments. During those years, my wife and I, Every time we made money, we racked them into, we started with a duplex, a single family home duplex. Today, this whole portfolio sits at $600 million plus uh, with a leverage of 56%, very low leverage. It provides low, yeah. me and my wife, my grandchildren, um, a substantial amount of cash flow north of um, five, $600,000 a year or a month, including during COVID. Um, and we kept just building up little by little by little. But the magic happened for me for being a lender. Check this out. Let's just assume your rents are $1,000 a month from your tenants. Okay. 1,000 times 12 months in an annual lease is $12,000. Most landlords don't get this. You're lending, you're advancing this consumer 12,000 bucks. You have to underwrite the consumer just like if you would lend them $12,000. Interesting. The reason why we get a lot of our deals is because of these people skills. People want to do business with people they like. We just closed last week a $123.5 million deal, $123 million from PCCP, huge, large institution. And in that area, 
institutions only want to play with institutions. Right. And here you go, a husband and wife team that I we have never raised from no investors, uh, raised no money. This was that six hundred million dollars we created it, yep. and we were able to buy from them, buy from AIG, buy from these big institutions because we treat everybody as they're important. I don't pretend to be somebody that I'm not. And you have to go through these interview process. You have to get these off-market deals. You have to build relationships. And relationships are only rewarding if they're sticky. And how you have a sticky relationship, it's just like you and I throughout the years. You treat somebody with kind. The power of kindness, you never get a no, man. And all these eagle maniacs, I always say eagle's not your amigo. They just don't <laughs> get it and they're burning so much energy and they're like a hamster on the wheel and they're not creating value. So, um, you know, we just closed one yesterday for $51.5 million, bought it for Mill Creek, big institution. And uh, FYI, the, another buyer who substantially has more of a portfolio than us, and they, they're a fund, they offered $2 million more than us in the final bid, and we were able to get it for $2 million less. And you attribute that to your the way you treat people, the PMA? Based on my personal firsthand, I'm 54 years old. I seen, I tried the other way, didn't work. I tried to be the ego, the flash dancer, try to get rich too quick. You know, I only can say what worked for me and what didn't work. So the, the secret sauce for entrepreneurs that they should be taking and using in their everyday activities is PMA. You have to build a culture without it. And you, you, to build a company and scale, you need people, man. Yeah. And if the people are not buying into the culture, they can show, they can, you know, a blind person can see a fake person. You know, how are you on and off the court? How are your core values right. at home? Right. And you start caring for your, 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 your group and you start treating them as partners, not as an employee. Right. You know, when Sophie and I exited, we were so happy to say that, some awesome people that helped us get there became millionaires because of the program we put in place. Your success is my success. And all I did was paid attention to these people that were helping us build because the more I gave them this PMA, the guess what, dude? The more they gave it to our customers and 40% of those customers are repeat. That's a business. They keep coming back. That's that makes the that makes the business extremely valuable. If it's if they're one-off customers that you know come in and then you're just a transaction. That's right. That's exactly. They're just a transaction. So the, it's the repeat customers that keep coming back again because of the way you have trained your people to treat them, and they are all. PMA. Especially today, man. This is a competitive market, Wayne. And for you to poach somebody to convince them to jump ship here to come to your shop. You better have people skills. You better believe in your culture. You better believe this energy does not lie. It, it's contagious. And when you have it ingrained in you, everybody wants to do business with you. Everybody just wants to just enjoy life, man. I am so pumped right now. I've got, <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go talk to some of my, uh, my, my new uh, folks that just joined us recently. And uh, we're growing pretty rapidly. Nothing like what you experienced, but it's, to me, it's, it's, I'm learning from you. You're my mentor. You're the mentor to all of us because of what, of the philosophy that you have. And it's a great, 
great philosophy. And it's I something that everyone we're, should we're have. We're all cool, kind people. Yeah. But we we're trying be. to be somebody we're not be. We're just getting lost in the mix. And if right. we go back looking at life simple, man, man, we are. There's only one Wayne. Talk about supply and demand. What's going on with inflation today? There's one Wayne. Why not be that Wayne? (laughs) That's right. Well, be the right one. Yes. Be the right one. Well, Bobby, thank you so much for being a special guest on Blueprint for Wealth. Again, I am. I'm pumped up. I hope the listeners and the the people watching this are pumped up too. Because and you, you know, if they want to know more about PMA and know know more about what you're doing, how can they find out about? Uh, my son created uh, my son Brandon. He's so awesome. When I exited, I didn't know anything about social media. He got me on Instagram. It's official Bobby Castro, and then I'm on LinkedIn, and and he has me all this stuff. And once in a while, I splatter out some videos from yeah. my heart because I I know there's a lot of other Bobbies and Sophies out there, man. And yeah. if if I did it, I'm the prime example. Anybody can do it. Thank you. Thanks for PMA. Thanks for being you. And thanks for being on Blueprint for Wealth. And join us next time. I don't know if I'll ever have a guest quite as good as Bobby Castro. (laughs) No, I got that. It was great today. Thank you so much. Much love, dude.